Welcome to Optimize Your Game, a podcast from the University of Miami Sports Medicine Institute. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Kaplan. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm the Chief of Sports Medicine at the University of Miami Sports Medicine Institute. I'm the Head Medical Director and Head Team Physician at the University of Miami Athletic Department. I've been the Head Medical Director and Head Team Physician of the Miami Marlins, and I've worked in the past as a medical consultant for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can also find this information at uhealthsports.com. As a former college athlete and someone who's been athletic my whole life, I think it's important that we continue to use the lessons that we learn from taking care of elite athletes on our own performance and how to live a very mobile and active lifestyle moving forward. Our guests are going to come from all genres to give us their input on how to do these things. Today, I'd like to welcome our guest, Leslie Bonsi, who I've known from times back at the University of Pittsburgh. She is the sports dietitian to the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Leslie's the owner of Active Eating Advice, a nutrition consulting company, the co-founder of Performance 365, a sports nutrition company, and nationally recognizes a speaker on nutrition misinformation, uh, but also um, athlete uh, health and, and moving forward on the performance side using nutrition. Um, this past summer, she was a invited speaker on panel at our national meeting, the AOSSM, and I thought she did an outstanding job, and it was really fun to reconnect with her, and uh, she's given advice to people very close to me. Um, Leslie, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your philosophy? Sure, and I'm delighted to be here. And so over like a, a 30 plus year career in working with active people at all levels. So high school, collegiate, master's athletes, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, recreational athletes is at the end of the day, the philosophy is this. If you wanna be fit, fed and fearless, every one of us can move each and every day, but the movement is not just our physical activity, it's the hand to mouth activity. What you <laughs> eat, when you eat, how much you eat. So that brings up a, a number of questions in, in that statement, and, and it's interesting. If you look at some of David Sinclair's longevity, longevity stuff out of Harvard, one of the things that he says is you don't even have to exercise every day because specifically that, your nutrition is such a huge part of it. Um, talk to me a little bit about at the highest level fueling for performance and you know working with active individuals who are quote-unquote regular <laughs> versus uh, professional athletes and what optimal performance means. And you mentioned taking care of all those different people, but um, how do you help them reach that? And so uh, as an individual response is what is somebody's goal? So when we're looking at performance, are we talking about optimizing strength, optimizing speed, optimizing stamina, injury, or are we talking about physique? For somebody that says, I wanna optimize my peak physique, that's not a number on the scale, that is body composition. And too often when I have people say, oh, I wanna lose body fat, they do something funky and then they lose muscle and we're about muscle preservation. We don't wanna see it otherwise. Then we have to deal with the collision aspect or what I think football is collision nutrition. It is, and so we're talking about preventing injury. We're talking about rehabilitation from injury, which is more than if somebody needs to have surgery, if somebody's doing PT. What is this hand-to-mouth activity that can either complement or get in the way of somebody being able to recover? In terms of, um, you know, when you mention diet, that becomes <laughs> quite polarizing. Um, so when you talk to people and you talk to them about 
um, what they want to do. Some people want to be vegan. Some people, you have athletes that are fine being animal-based protein in terms of what they're doing. How do you do that? And then how do you balance that with nutritional protocols? I will say that, you know, as a fan of blueberries, I'm always shocked no matter where we play our road trips Somehow the University of Miami football program has these tremendous blueberries. But then I saw the pictures of what the Chiefs have, and I thought, wow, if they can get that kind of fruit and vegetable selection, uh, you know, especially in Kansas during that time or Missouri during that time of, of the year, it's pretty remarkable. So how do you how do you speak to different people but base it on whatever they think and then teach them what the realities are? And, and most importantly, it's, it's being a negotiator and being a good listener. So it's not my agenda. I always say that the athlete who comes to see me, it's their narrative, it's their screenplay. So I might tweak and edit a little bit, but it's their journey. And I'm going to go along for the ride, hopefully not as a backseat driver, because that's annoying. <laughs> Secondly, it's also looking at people's ability. So not just somebody's ability in terms of the activity they do, what's their culinary competency or lack thereof? What's their support system? Is there somebody else at home who's going to be prepping food? Are there athletes that are food insecure? Because it happens at a collegiate level too. We need to consider that. And then also are the expectations that they have realistic for the body. Oh, we have a 15-year-old who wants to put on 30 pounds and maybe Tanner stage three. All right, that could be a problem. So it, again, trying to figure out all the other variables that are there and then craft something that's realistic. Or what I would say, is it attainable? Is it maintainable? And is it sustainable? And that better include things that somebody likes to eat. And then the other part of that is trying to distance my clients a little bit from some of the craziness, you know, the, the influencers that are out there, all this kind of stuff to say, all right, you know, I want to be keto. Yes, but you are a soccer player and that might be a problem because you might collapse on the field. So, you know, and, or I want to be vegan, but, you know, I don't like vegetables. Mm -hmm. That could be a problem. So, you know, there's always <laughs> a phase of this to help somebody to really develop something that they can do and will do over a period of time. So if you have an athlete that asks you or you have, I mean, even in terms of what I do, I have people all the time talk about intermittent fasting or, or doing workouts in the morning when they're fasting or cardio. And then I think as so many of the college athletes, less the pro athletes, are practicing early in the morning and going to class in the afternoon, how do you, how do you balance um, – what they're hearing from what you think is best for them? And how do you get them to really understand and adopt what you're saying? Well, one of the things about a lot of the trendy plans is that you know it's it like half truth. All right, there's some little nugget of information that might be true is okay. Yes, you will burn fat if you exercise on empty, but the fine print is you will also burn muscle. And so there is the problem because always looking at what we can do in terms of muscle preservation, how could we do this a little bit differently, number one, and really to help somebody optimize their energy level and their productivity during that bout of activity, it's difficult to do that in a fasted state over an extended period of time. And I've never yet met an athlete who said to me, I really want to lose all the muscle that I have. So always trying to be very <laughs> practical about that. And it doesn't mean we have to eat an enormous amount before exercise because that's oftentimes uncomfortable, but a little bit of something can be the sacrifice fly so that the body does not have to break down its own muscle during. 
The other thing about intermittent Could you fasting, give an example? Sorry to interrupt. Could you give an example of that? Yeah. And so if somebody says, all right, you know, I, I eat, I'm exercising early in the morning and you know, I'm too tired to chew or whatever other excuses there. So if we're looking for something maybe in a more liquid form, so one of those like little drinkable yogurts, you don't have to chew anything and it's fluid and protein simultaneously. If somebody says, all right, maybe I could do like a little handful of trail mix, meaning not a five pound bag, a little handful of something, that's enough. Or, you know, maybe I'm going to do half a banana with a little bit of peanut butter on it. So again, something small. So more snack size than meal size can be really, really helpful. And it's enough. It's the, the beauty of eating something ahead of time. It's not about the volume. It's about the presence of something instead of having absolutely nothing. The other side of that, from the intermittent fasting perspective, where I have found that it tends to be most useful is the people who don't necessarily eat as, as they should during the day. And then by the time they eat at nighttime, it's like, let me inhale a steer at that point. Because <laughs> they're smart, and then they keep eating. And so you can, that cutoff time of, oh, I won't eat after a certain time, provided I got what I needed early. So we're not uploading the day. And that accomplishes two things. We're not taking in excess calories in the evening, and maybe we're doing a better job of downloading so we eat in amidst our physical activity so we get better response all the way around. In terms of supplements, I'm sure you get a lot of questions about vitamins, specific supplementation. Um, what are your thoughts regarding the, the most basic levels of, of where you would like to see most of your athletes and, and regular people trying to stay athletic and fit? So first thing I would say is that supplements are designed to be a complement to not a replacement for eating. So, all right, I take a lot of supplements. I don't eat well. You have a well-supplemented crappy diet and very expensive. <laughs> That's what we don't want to have happen. And so, however, that being said, is there's a lot of athletes, just what they like, what they don't like, their busyness, et cetera, that they can't always get in everything they need, especially of the micronutrients. Nobody's focusing on that. So number one, we need to address deficiencies. Vitamin D, that's a big one. And there's a lot of athletes that are vitamin D deficient. Secondly, iron. Iron deficiency can be an issue or even iron deficiency anemia can be an issue and that can be supplemented. The third would be the use of the omega-3 from an anti-inflammatory perspective, from a cardiovascular health perspective. Not everybody eats fish every day. Not everybody likes it. And so that's something else that can be advantageous. And I do think that if even if it's nothing more than a placebo effect, a general multivitamin mineral supplement, whether it's something you swallow or a gummy, depending upon what people want to do, it's okay. As long as it's not omega, so we're not getting huge amounts of anything in there, it just kind of rounds out the edges. In terms of balancing, you mentioned patient preference. You know, there are these stories of Michael Jordan eating, you know, a steak before every game. And I was talking to one of his former Bulls teammates, and he said he tried it one day, and he, he literally felt like he was the most sluggish ever during a game, cement boots, so to speak. So why, why do you think some people can do certain things and others can't um, in terms of trying to find what their best situation is? You know what? They're, they're, everybody's, everybody's digestive tract can be very much influenced by nerves. Uh, that's, a, that's a very big thing. And there aren't nerves present in practice. But in a competitive situation, it's there. Also, did somebody sleep well the night before a competition? Well, that can influence what somebody's appetite and digestive system functions like. 
Third, are people hydrated well? Michael Jordan was a well-oiled machine all the way around, who probably was able to check off all those boxes and, and do it. But this is also why I would say a lot of people, they're doing a marathon, a half marathon, a 10K. Oh, let's go to the Runner's Expo and let's try that antelope jerky that we've never <laughs> done before. And ideas, like never, never anything new. Whatever it is we think we want to do in a competitive situation, we do in a practice situation. And I will tell you, we're not naming names about particular players, but we have options across the board from guys who like to eat eggs before they play on, on Sunday, guys who just want to do a smoothie, guys who just want to do a small bar, and guys who sit down to a steak because it's what appeals to them. It's what makes them feel good. So part of that is placebo effect. That's true. Part of that is also the comfort and familiarity, which are critically important to help to settle that stomach down before they get out there to do battle. So when I first got to the University of Miami in 2008, we had no food in the locker room at halftime. We had Gatorade and water. And, uh, you know, from doing some, you know, marathons, triathlons and so forth in my past, I just thought, boy, that's crazy, especially in this heat. Now we have everything uh, from... Uh, fresh fruit to pretzels, you know, different things and different people, you know, eat, eat at a different rate. And most of the time, the team meal will be four hours before. Um, what are your thoughts around those two pieces of information in terms of optimizing performance? Yeah. And, and because, for instance, in, in the middle of a game, there are some people that their, their mouth is very dry. They want something juicy. Fruit would do that. There are others that are losing more electrolytes. So they need something salty as a pretzel would do because you're not eating a salty banana per se. Uh, my big issues always with what we have around, it's not supposed to be the buffet. You pick one thing and that's what you do because you don't have a lot of time to digest. So less is more are my three favorite words in the middle of activity. This is not the time to try it all. Uh, in terms of when the meals are, yes, that truly when we're looking at meal per se, we want to give about a four hour period of time to make sure that food isn't totally digested, but at least it's out of the stomach. So it's less likely to result in food on the field instead of within the body. <laughs> if it's on the field, that's not really helpful. And you know there are some players that they, even though they might eat four hours ahead of time, they might want a little bit of something before, whether that takes the form of a little bit of sports drink or even something like jello, because it's easy to get down. They can conserve energy for play, but at least it's providing them with that, that little additional bit of carbohydrate. What do you, you know, when you're working with, you know, colleges are so much more advanced than they were in terms of their food selection, the rules allow Players have much better options. Um, oftentimes, it's exactly the opposite of what you talked about with food insecurity. But I've talked to, spoken to former athletes who have told me, "Yeah, we had one really good meal, but then we ate boxes of cereal in between. They didn't, you know, have the resources or or finances to make it happen." In terms of nutritional misinformation, when you see a professional player coming out of college. Um, what are the few that you really think I need to make something resonate with this athlete and really educate them? Yeah, uh, and I think one of them is um, the, the health halo that surrounds certain things. For instance, organic. 
Yeah, it's not nutritionally better. It's it's really a marketing term. It is a form of agriculture, but like, oh, I can only have it if it's organic. Therefore, hey, Leslie, I'm eating organic gummy bears and good for me. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, doesn't work that way. Secondly, all of the things that are out there in the plant-based space that aren't plants per se. So plant-based juices, which people will call plant milk. So problem with that is, again, nutritionally not equivalent. A lot of players that want to use almond milk. All right, this is basically water with a little bit of almond flavoring. It's what it is. But what you're not getting out of that, you're not getting that protein. You're not getting those vitamins and minerals that would be inherent in either a soy milk or a dairy-based milk. So that's another one that comes up as an issue. Third, the issue of plant-based. Trust me, I'm a dietitian. I want people eating plants. I do. But you know, there are a lot of people that say, I don't want to eat anything with a face or anything out of something with a face, and I'll just make a one-for-one -one substitute. No, you can't eat four chickpeas and have that be equivalent to a piece of chicken. It doesn't work that way. And we've seen that play out on several stages with professional athletes who have wanted to go plant-based and, uh-oh, my injury rates are up. I'm losing lean mass because they simply didn't put enough back in. And then the fourth one, I would say, is that category of energy across the board. Sure, we all need it, but not because it is within a can or in a powdered something. You know, energy is food. Energy is not a caffeinated product. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I'm always surprised um, at how big some of that, you know, the energy drinks in particular, uh, the amounts of caffeine, knowing how much it dehydrates you, it it can affect your levels of concentration, et cetera. So those are good points. So on the topic of human optimization around performance, what are you doing special personally these days to um, what, what do you like? And, you know, you're such an example of fit. And what, what do you say to your players? Or if somebody says, what are you doing, which I'm sure happens often, and I know how humble you are, you turn around and tell them, well, it's individual, but we want to know what you're up to that makes you feel good and optimize your own performance. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say uh, for me personally is I've, it's, it's either uh, running or walking every day. It's also rowing. I've discovered rowing and I, I love it. And now that hopefully my time's going to free up a, a little bit more, I can actually be out on the water instead of having to sit on earth, but I do love it. And I'm, I'm following Stu Phillips advice and, Lifting. I mean, this is a thing is just really doing it and not just the fork to my mouth, but lifting weights. It's that it it is incredible the difference that it makes. Um what I don't do as well of the stretching thing, I'm working on it. I'm trying, or the downtime thing, but I think it's also critically important working in the space is you have to be active. Athletes can see right through that. They're sitting on your ass all day long. Uh -uh, no, is are you actually doing something? Oh, I sweat. Oh. I've had a muscle cramp. Oh, I've had broken bones. I have. And so, and I know what I needed to do nutritionally. So that makes me more relatable to them. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, in Miami, I've had the privilege of getting to know Arthur Agustin, who is, he wrote the South Beach Diet. He's actually spoken to me about why they wrote the second book to correct some of the things from the first that, that he later learned. But one of the things that we've spoken about is how important uh, from a cardiovascular standpoint, lifting weights are, you know, that's you, you, we know that the group that actually benefits the most are the elderly in terms of resistance exercises, but 
you know, it is remarkable how that affects your heart and your overall well-being. And, you know, not necessarily bulking up, but circuit training a few times or three times a week, minimal. But those are good. We're coming to the end, and I want to be respectful of your time. Are there any other tips that you would like to, to give to us? You know, the other thing I would say is, because again, we can all move and really think about fueling ourselves as as active individuals, is create that training table in your own home, which doesn't have to be that you have 10 million things there, but really thinking about, I always say this, is in the middle, it's we work out. So it could be that we're lifting or we're on a treadmill, whatever, or we have practice if we're doing planned activity, or we have some kind of competition. Parenthesize that. What am I doing before that in terms of my food and fluid? What am I doing after in terms of my food and fluid? We all have equipment we wear. If it's as simple as running shoes or a Speedo and goggles in the water, that's your external equipment. Your internal equipment is the food and fluid, and you are not equipped if you don't do that. No, I love that. Your internal equipment or food and fluid. I think that's just a really great point. So first of all, thank you so much. It's always so fun to talk to you. I could tell you that that the additional pieces, those athletes being around you, you're energizing, just speaking to you, and, and you jump through the computer. I appreciate it very much. And I, I, I don't think your hands are big enough for how many Super Bowl rings you're going you're gonna to get with Mahomes as your quarterback and Kelsey, but I, I'm sure it'll be, it would be fun for you. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this, this episode of Optimize Your Game with the University of, Sport, of Miami Sports Medicine Institute. And to be alerted for our next episode, be sure to follow and subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening on. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Optimize Your Game, a podcast from the University of Miami Sports Medicine Institute. To learn more about the University of Miami Sports Medicine Institute, go to uhealthsports.com. Go Canes. Hey.